The Passion According to St. John. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a, a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, they will look on the one whom they have pierced. 
After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jewish authorities, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who at first had come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it in the spices and linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I have often struggled with what I should think and feel and pray on Good Friday. Should I feel remorse, sorrow, fear, shame, love, adoration, or gratefulness? Or maybe I should just feel all these things at the same time. I just don't know. I struggle like others to make sense of the cross of Jesus and the fact that he died on it. I know the cross represents God's judgment against the brokenness and the sin and the evil in the world. But I also know the cross is about God's merciful love for sinners for all people. How do we say it? For God so loved the world, right? Year after year on Good Friday, we struggle, like the early church did, to make sense of the cross and the fact that Jesus suffered on it. There's been lots written about it. We often talk about the cross as the place where Jesus atones for our sins and makes us at one with God once again. And other times we say that Jesus was sacrificed for our sin, taking on the sin of all humanity for humanity's sake. These ideas help us to see the importance of the cross. They're lenses with which we can see what took place on the cross and maybe help us better understand what took place that first Good Friday. On this Good Friday, though, I would like to view the cross and all it means through one of the phrases that Jesus says as he's dying on the cross. When Jesus says on the cross, it is finished, it could read as words of a desperate surrender. It could read as words as, I just give up. And while it took many victims of the cross longer to die than Jesus did, but Jesus has fought quite a battle in his hours of hanging in agony. Perhaps these words are recorded in our gospel lesson because it does show that he lent it, that he did give in, or just that he let go. But to tell you the truth, Those words, as written in the New Testament Greek, do not indicate this at all. 
The verb tense indicates something much different. The words, it is finished, are words of achievement and completion. Words which say, with the cross, Jesus has completed the work he was sent into the world to do. And he did this work perfectly and for all time and for all place and nothing can ever take it away. This might be words similar to what Michelangelo said as he put that last brush mark on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. For the gospel writer of John, Jesus has fought the good fight. And despite what the soldiers might think, despite what the religious leaders and political leaders think, despite what the howling mobs think, despite even what his disciples think, he has succeeded. He has done the work he was sent into the world to do, and it is now finished. He has poured himself out, that is true, but he has not died a failed revolutionary. His death was the revolution. The work of his death has changed everything for all times. It tells us that God's love wins, and it tells us that love, love wins. Jesus' death shows us that our life as disciples is not a matter of doing something so we can please God, but it is about God doing something for us, such as reconciling the, word to himself, the world to himself through the love and grace and forgiveness that he brings. And though this completing work is invisible to us on this Good Friday, we only see the agony, the blood, the defeat, and the death. Even though it's invisible to us as we look at the cross and we see nothing but loss and the end, those words, it is finished, tell us something more. They tell us that something grand and glorious is being worked out despite of us and despite of others. And we do not need to then try to busy ourselves trying to make ourselves right in God's eyes. Instead, we're invited to sit and look at the cross in silence and watch Jesus die with love and forgiveness in his heart. The cross tells us that God sees us as sons and daughters as worth having. The cross tells us that God sees us as sons and daughters worth saving. Then perhaps one of the biggest challenges of Good Friday is to accept all that is needed to be done has been completed by Jesus. Perhaps one of the biggest challenges of Good Friday is to accept the love and grace which God has given to us through Christ's death on the cross. Perhaps one of the biggest challenges of Good Friday is to live from that place of grace with gratitude in our heart for the rest of our lives as we love God and we love our neighbor. Yes, it is all finished because of the love of God given to us in Jesus Christ and through the cross. I think Paul summed it up well in Romans 8, where he writes, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, 
nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, on this day, as we worship, thinking maybe about what we must say or feel or do, thinking about maybe the things we need to do to get ourselves right with God, we are invited just to lay our burden down. Lay our burdens down and hear Jesus say, it is finished, it is completed for all time, and nothing can ever separate us from God's love again. So, be still and see the love and grace and forgiveness of God which is poured out for all of us on the cross of Christ. And let that love rest upon you, rest upon you, marinate in it, sit in it for a while. Let it bless you. Let it bless you now and forever because it is all finished. Amen.